that rewards clinicians, but also gives um, the public what they really need, which is really good, high-quality mental health care that's long-term, that's comprehensive, it's multidisciplinary, um, and, and it also addresses people where they're at. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Be An Awesome GP, Positive Conversations in General Practice. Today, I am very excited to be sitting down with Dr. Terence Lim, or Terry. Terry Lim is a exper highly experienced consultant psychiatrist specializing in complex psychiatric illness treatment. He has over 14 years of expertise in both public and private mental health sectors, and is now currently working at the MindSight Clinic, a premier mental health clinic located in Gordon, Sydney, Australia. Their mission is to deliver top quality mental health care, enhance mental health literacy, and their health GP program, which I'm very excited to get into, led by qualified general practitioners working in a multidisciplinary team is doing very exciting things in the ADHD space. Terry, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. Uh, great to be here. So can you just give us an overview of uh, the Mindsight Clinic and what you guys are doing? Because that is really good stuff. Sure, thanks, Chris. Um, yeah, look, uh, um, I'm really excited to be talking to you all today and to uh, my GP colleagues. Um, and uh, <clears throat> yeah, look, uh, just, just a bit of background, uh, a bit about myself, uh, as you said. Um, well, thanks very much for the intro, it's very kind. Um, so uh, as you said, I've, I've been in um, sort of public and private practice uh, 40 or 15 years now, <clears throat> including my training. Um, so I've trained in Sydney, um, went to med school here as well. Um, <clears throat> and uh, uh, training is five years in psychiatry, um, and it's it's mostly purely in the, the public sector. Doesn't prepare you very well for the real world <laughs> of private practice, unfortunately. Um, but uh, yeah, so so uh, after getting my letters, I went straight into pretty much private practice, um, along with some public practice work as well, but half half. Um, so my my train my specialty training is actually in consultation liaison psychiatry. So. So my, that's my kind of first love, as it were. Um, so I've always had an interest in kind of neuropsychiatry, the sort of mind-body kind of, you know, um, relationship, that kind of thing, which which really lends itself well to um, psychiatry. Um, so so now that the, the first day I got into um, private practice, someone asked me, um, do you treat ADHD? I said, what's that? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and 11 years later, um, yeah, I've been treating it. Uh, for the past 11 years or so in, full, in private practice. Um, switched over to full-time private practice a couple of years ago. Um, I was working at a, um, uh, a private hospital with uh, a group practice attached to it. Um, and about uh, eight, uh, 12 months ago, 13 months ago, decided to uh, start something new um, uh, with the intention of doing something a bit different. Um, there are several psychiatry practices around, um, but I wanted to do something uh, that gave me the freedom to innovate a little bit, um, as well as run a practice the way I wanted to, because I, I, I see a lot of um, deficiencies in how uh, most psychiatry practices are run, unfortunately, and I wanted to address some of those frustrations in day-to-day -day practice, but also, as I said, give myself a platform to try and um, do something innovative in, in kind of the broader mental health treatment space, because as everyone's keenly aware, there's a lot of structural problems, uh, a lot of service delivery problems. Um, and, uh, and one of the things I had from day one was um, that the vision to do something um, 
that would go some way to address that. Um, so, so the Mindsight Clinic was was born, I guess. Uh, most of the past 12 months has been focused on running a good practice and building a good team of clinicians, which we have. So we have um, five psychiatrists, um, two clinical psychologists, and a mental health social worker. We've got a great team of admin staff and a great practice manager. So um, yeah, we've grown pretty fast in, in 12 months, and, and it's allowed me to, uh, I guess, uh, lend some, some brain space to, to thinking about innovation. Um, and um, one of the things I've always wanted to do was to build a multidisciplinary and multi-level mental health service that's based in the private sector. Um, I think that there's certainly a place for, for government mental health services, but I'm, uh, you know, I think everyone knows the limitations that they have in terms of resourcing, hmm. funding, that kind of thing. Um, and, and what I've found as well that in the, that in the private sector, um, the, the main model there is, is really uh, private hospitalization um, and outpatient groups run through private hospitals, which again, I think is pretty limited. Um, mm. And there's nothing really in the outpatient space. Uh, there's so much fragmentation, uh, Chris, you know, in our mental health service. Um, you know, there's turf wars, there's, there's you know, um, uh, you know f philosophical differences, funding differences, mm. all sorts of things. So I wanted to, to um, fill a space where uh, it, it's, it's privately funded, of course, with the Medicare kind of structure behind it, but um, that rewards clinicians, but also gives um, the public what they really need, which is really good, high quality mental health care that's long term, that's comprehensive, it's multidisciplinary, um, and, and it also addresses people where they're at. Um, not everyone needs to see a private psychiatrist, but unfortunately, the options are at the moment, uh, your regular GP, um, uh, maybe a psychologist, or a private psychiatrist. Um, try and get any other help that you need to be on death's door, as, as you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so that was the that was the philosophy behind what we're what we're trying to do here. Um, and the mental health GP program is is the backbone of that um, thinking and and um, innovation, I guess. Because I know most of our listeners would really resonate with what you've described, the idea of uh, seeing that you want to do something more elegantly in a private solution and, and pursuing their own practice so they can set it up the way they want to. And I'm sure, uh, well, I'm sure as you're aware that private practice comes with its own set of challenges and, and running things. Mm. And we, we are struggling. We are trying to find solutions mm. for mental health patients because yeah. the system is up. You know the system is at capacity Absolutely. and beyond capacity. Yeah. So it, it is really an exciting area to find solutions, and sometimes in the greatest crises we do find the solutions, which is part of why I wanted yeah. to chat to you because you're someone looking for solutions. Tell me a bit about ADHD because that's that's been very topical lately. There's been a Senate inquiry into ADHD. Yeah. There's been a lot of talk, but tell me yeah. tell me yeah. a bit about ADHD and what you guys are doing there. Sure. Well, you know, I'm I'm conscious that I'm speaking to you know learned colleagues, um, so uh, you know, apologise if 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 anything I say is a little bit obvious or simple. Um, we love obvious and simple. So, <laughs> so to put it in a nutshell, ADHD is what we call a neurodevelopmental condition. Um, so so essentially, um, it's to do with how um, certain systems in the brain uh, develop compared to the um, the, the rest of the population, so it's a standard deviation type of concept, um, and really it's a mismatch between uh, 
the brain the brain's ability to function um, in the executive functioning realm um, compared to what the environmental demands are. So you know that there's a there's, there's quite a complex etiology in terms of um, there's a genetic component, um, but more and more we're we're sort of recognizing that you know um, the environment which someone grows up in, especially in those early years, really affects the I guess the phenotype of, of how people present. Um, so, so I guess uh, it's interesting because in the child space, obviously, most people know that ADHD falls in the realm of the pediatrician, um, which has always interested me because, uh, it, to me, it's a very much a psychiatric condition. Um, uh, I, I personally see it more as a disability, uh, or it can be a disability rather than an illness. So. So the treatments and the approaches really, uh, to me, have a, a disability management um, kind of a focus rather than a illness treatment type of thing, um, which I think maybe my medical colleagues have more of in terms of the way they approach things. So, uh, so we are trained very much in a holistic, biopsychosocial, you know, cultural, spiritual type of model. Um, and so when I talk about something like ADHD, um, I think the difficulty people have is that they tend to see this condition in isolation. But really, ADHD mm. is um, really a contextual condition, you know, um, and, and it does go a little bit to culture. But uh, I mean, I, I won't spend too long, but, but really the condition has crossed, uh, you know, cultural and historical uh, boundaries. You know, there's, there's uh, uh, descriptions of ADHD as far back as the early 1800s um, from pediatricians back there. So. Um, so it really has a long history um, of as a syndrome um, and as something that causes significant disability um, from childhood. Um, I think what's being more recognised though is the burden in adult ADHD and adult sufferance. Um, and I think that's where the controversy, I suppose, may lie, um, where the, the, the explosion is in the adult ADHD space. Um, and I guess the, the difference, the general difference between um, diagnosing and managing people in the adult ADHD space as opposed to the child space is that um, comorbidities really are the rule um, for adults um, with ADHD, especially if they haven't been treated uh, for most of their life. Uh, we know that most neurodevelopmental conditions um, benefit from early intervention, uh, whatever that is, whether that's a learning disorder, whether that's uh, autism, ADHD, all sorts of things. So early intervention is really the rule. And, and a lot of um, adults who get diagnosed later in life have missed out on a lot of that early intervention. So their burden of morbidity is often higher and their burden of comorbidity is also higher as well. So they often present with um, uh, secondary mental health problems, depression, anxiety, that kind of thing. Uh, they often have the, um, the burden of complex post-traumatic stress disorder or complex trauma from young. Uh, which hasn't been addressed. Um, and they often have higher rates of physical comorbidity as well. Um, poor diet, poor sleep, chronic stress, uh, higher rates of substance use, uh, higher rates of um, even things like motor vehicle accidents. There was a study done on um, a group of um, high uh, trauma motor vehicle accidents and, and you know, um, significant proportion of those people had ADHD that was kind of just screened for. Um, so, um, so adults with ADHD often um, have suffered for many, many years before they um, seek treatment. Um, and what we find is that treating adults with ADHD is, is really rewarding because uh, often they've been misdiagnosed or they've been treated for a secondary problem 
uh, and the primary issue of the untreated or the unhelped, as it were, uh, neurodevelopmental disabilities being missed. So if you don't correct the disability, it's very hard to um, address anything else. And so people uh, end up in, you know, in the revolving cycle of um, getting the results of ADHD treated. Well, it's mm -hmm. clearly ADHD treated, but not having the actual condition treated itself. So once that's been addressed, um, people then go on and, and, and really make a great fist of the other stuff that they struggle with, which is often the richer part of the person, actually, rather than the actual the ADHD itself. Because I imagine you've probably had the experience where you're assessing a family member for ADHD and you notice the either the father or the child are showing ADHD traits because of the genetic component. Um, tell me, tell me more about, tell me more about how it, it can shift the trajectory of someone's life. Because you know you sort of see people who get treated as adults for ADHD and you wonder mm. what the trajectory of that person's life might have been yes. if they were diagnosed earlier. Yeah. Well, well, you know, Chris, it's a it's a great um, point you raise. Uh, often, when uh, look, you know, uh, a lot of people go, "Oh, look, you know, uh, I've looked it up on Google. I've, I've watched TikTok, and uh, and I'm pretty sure I've got ADHD." Now, um, when someone comes for a good assessment and they get they get given a really good explanation why for why they've suffered and struggled for most of their life, whether it's ADHD or whether it's something else. Um, often the relief for people is quite palpable, especially if there's hope, you know, that things can be better and things can be improved. Um, and if they do have ADHD, the good news is that ADHD is something that can be um, uh, very effectively treated. I mean, you know, I was reflecting on this, and there's not many things in medicine um, with the evidence base and with the you know, the, the sort of odds ratio of effectiveness um, of, of the medications and the treatment protocols that we have in ADHD. It's, it's, it's unbelievably robustly studied in terms of evidence base. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, if we had the same outcomes for anything else, we'd be stoked. <laughs> um, so, so, so really the, the, the relief and, but also um, often we get reactions of grief uh, the, the what if oh, know, question, yeah, comes comes pretty soon after the initial relief, um, and uh, and the grief of what could have been, and and often uh, there's a lot of work to be done around that, um, around kind of you know uh, uh, not, well often often it's a renovation of one's sense of self. It, it, it can be that profound, you know, um, the idea that one is not deficient or one is not lazy or or difficult or or dumb you know th these are sort of things that people carry all their lives because they have a disability that wasn't um seen and, and picked up so so when that's given to them as an explanation if it's accurate you know um uh, then you know the it can lead to really profound changes in in someone and it takes time sometimes to work through with people um, even if they're on medication you know One of the things I wanted to talk to you about, and you know, I could, I could actually get into this for quite some time, but I know we're on limited time. The you guys have mental health GPs at your clinic who I think are, are, they just do that, and they're very extensively trained, and you're making use of that. Can you tell me a bit about that for our audience? Sure. Well, Chris, I'm really excited about this program. So um, uh, I was racking my brain about how how to address this sort of structural mental health issue. Um, 
so so just to be clear, you know, when I talk about our mental health GP program, this isn't just about ADHD. You know, this is about mm-hmm. mental health. You know, um, and uh, mental health is an interesting field. You know, it, it's it's it has a lot of medicine, but it has it doesn't have a lot of medicine. If that makes sense, you know, it's <laughs> it's it's a different beast. Um, and and to apply the usual kind of models uh, that we have in healthcare to mental health, it, it doesn't really work. Um, so so really, what mental health treatment needs is a truly multidisciplinary approach. Um, and to me, the epitome of a holistic practitioner is a general practitioner. Um, you know, the, the the training, the the breadth um, of training that that mental health that GPs um, uh, have, and the depth of knowledge is, is really under recognised. It's underutilised, um, and it's taken for granted. Um, and and it really makes me angry, <laughs> actually, to be honest. Um, you know, uh, the way the public views the uh, our general practice colleagues. Um, and and it just struck me that uh, you know psychiatrists are a very uh, scarce resource uh, and they're often overkill. Um, but if I could uh, tap into um, my general practice colleagues and just put it out there whether um, anyone would be interested in uh, working within a specialist mental health clinic, just doing mental health care, being rewarded for it financially. Um, uh, in, and it has a passion for it, so so they're getting trained and they're getting supervised and they're getting supported. Whether there'd be interest. Now, I had no idea, Chris, how that would land. Um, I, I put it out in one Facebook group. It was rubbish. Um, uh, you know, the GPs there were like, "It's never going to work." And you know, like who, you know, who'd go and refer their patients to another GP? You know, you're going to be seen as stealing people's patients, all sorts of stuff. And I was like, "Oh God, it's a bit depressing." So so then. Um, wow. Then, but I didn't give up on it, and I thought, but, but I really struggled to know where to find these GPs. Anyway, so I kind of sat on it for a bit and whatever, and, and then I put it out in another Facebook group, um, uh, an interesting group called Creative Careers in Medicine, funnily enough. So I put it oh, out yeah. there, um, yeah, and, um, and, and I got a great response. I had about 30 or 40 GPs saying, this would be a fantastic idea. Um, and someone then posted it to a group called the Australian... Society for Psychological Medicine. I think it's a, a large group of GPs who are interested in mental health care. Um, and, and yeah, so someone put it out there. Um, I had an information evening. Uh, a few GPs joined on. Uh, and now we have two GPs that started from July when we kicked off the, um, the program. Um, so so they're, they're both part-time. Uh, one of them has decided to give up their general practice, which was a bit scary. <laughs> I thought, hang on. Um, uh, I, you know, and, and the other one still works in general practice as well. Um, uh, so what they, what the model is, um, Chris, is that they just do mental health treatment. Now they can do some basic. Well, they do have the uh, the, the scope to do um, basic health screening, but really, I want their time to be used to treat mental health conditions. Um, and so, so the idea is to partner with the usual regular GP, right? Um, and uh, and really, what it is, it's to 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 plug the gap between the average GP who struggles to um, to treat mental health conditions properly in the community, not necessarily because they lack the knowledge or ability, but because of how our Medicare system is structured, um, mm. and 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 then and the gap between um, them and having to see a psychiatrist, you know, and and the the weight can lead to so much extra burden of morbidity in the, the individual, but also in the healthcare sector. 
um, and, and it risks the individual ending up at the worst case scenario in the mental health unit or, or in the emergency department if they don't get timely care. So, so I thought, you know, the GPs are perfect for this. You don't need a referral. You can walk in. You can just you can make an appointment. Um, you know, and and really the standard of care that I'm seeing from our two GPs is not much less than what the average psychiatrist would offer, to be honest. Especially with the support and with the training and with the case conferencing. So we have a fortnightly case conference, we um, a supervision time. Uh, they join our monthly supervision with other psychiatrists as well, a peer review, um, and they're loving it. And um, that it, it was a bit slow in the uptake because it's such a new model. We've had to really try and educate the public and um, and other GPs, which is why I'm really thankful for this opportunity. Um, and uh, but but you know it's it's been definitely gaining traction now. Our two GPs have seen about 50 new patients between them um, in the in the in the sort of one and a half sessions that they do here um, and uh, these are new 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 patients who otherwise would have been waiting months to see a psychiatrist so uh, I'm really excited about that not only that but they what a great follow up service. these patients yeah they follow up these patients as well um, uh, you know I uh, can let them follow up some of my regular patients that are that are kind of like clogging up my books kind of thing you know in that sense in the nicest possible way so that i can yes. see more complex patients and so so where um the, the vision really is to, is to build a stratified um mental health service where you know psychiatrists are used to see the most complex patients um and the general practitioners mental health gps are here to, to can, can see the bulk of patients that are otherwise um, don't need to see a psychiatrist. Um, it's more cost effective. Um, you know, the standard of care is, in my mind, just as good. Uh, these are GPs that have obviously fully fellowed, um, but they've also done extra training. Um, they're really passionate. One of them is doing a master's of counselling. Um, and uh, yeah, so so I'm I'm really excited. We're about to bring on another GP in the new year. Um, so I guess um, you know, I'm I'm super excited about Chris, and I I, I personally think. Uh, I'm a bit biased, but I really think this could be an answer, a big answer to um, the structural problems that we're facing right now in, in the mental health service delivery. I think it's an excellent answer to many of the problems we're facing. And I think the fact you got such a strong backlash when you first proposed the idea, in many ways, suggests you were onto something. I think um, <laughs> when you come up with a great idea that changes the system that often the haters will hate i think uh, i'm glad that you went to the second facebook group for the feedback yeah. because there there will there will be a lot of people very interested in this model and i will actually start to wrap it up there terry because I, i'm sure. on a bit of borrowed time but i think I'd actually love to come back and chat to you in 12 months or so when we can see how you're going because this is this is a very exciting field. This is an evolving field and I'm sure you will have excellent results in 12 months' time with this model. Sure. If people do want to refer to your clinic or if they want to find your clinic for more information, where is the best place for them to go? Yeah, look, the, the best place to start with is our website. Um, so mindsightclinic.com.au. Um, you know, our physical location's in Gordon. Um, in, in the northern North Shore, but you know, uh, in this day of telehealth and, and mobility, mm -hmm. really it's just where we've ended up. Um, but we see patients from the whole catchment. Um, 
and yeah, if, if uh, people are interested in finding out more about the model, there's a lot of information there and also what we do. Um, and if they uh, would like their patients to get mental health care that's really good in quality and, uh, and they can't wait for months and months and months, it doesn't have to be about ADHD, it could be anything. Um, yeah, um, feel free to, to put their patients onto us. All right. Well, you have a lovely day. And to all our listeners out there, remember, you are an awesome GP. Be an awesome GP is targeted at general practitioners in the Australian context. It should not be taken as formal medical advice and you should consult your own clinician for any medical matters. Opinions are those of the presenter or guests and do not necessarily represent any organisations.